0: Hello and welcome to the next GCSE Business Studies uh, revision help for Piggott School GCSE students. We're on to the fourth of six topic strands. Uh, This is human resources. So your human resources element um, of the course will only be included in paper one. So the first paper you sit in the summer uh, human Resources, as well as uh, Operations or Production, which we did last time, that will be in your Paper 1, as well as, uh, remember, Influences on Business and Business in the Real World, which will be in both exam papers. So both exam papers, an hour and 45 minutes long, Paper 1 will include Human Resources, which what we're going to look at today. So the Human Resources topic area. Given away by the human in the title it is all to do with the people in the organisation, uh, how you treat your staff, what you do with your staff to make sure they stay, to make sure they're the best employees they can be. So the first thing we would have covered in human resources are organisation structures. So I looked at it, looking at the Pigot School. So the organisation structure looks at what job titles, what positions people have in each business, who their line manager is, their boss, um, who they're in direct control of, and that kind of thing. So if you think in our school, we've got Mr. Gray at the top as the head teacher. Underneath Mr. Gray, you've got two assistant heads, uh, Mr. Griffith and Ms. Alexander, and then you've got five or six assistant heads. So this is how businesses are organized into this structure. Uh, There are some key terms that you need to know in organisation structures. So what I've just mentioned there, uh, Mr. Gray has two assistant heads, uh, two deputy heads. Those deputy heads are what's called his span of control. So ultimately Mr. Gray is in control of the whole school, but his span of control, who he has direct control over, are those two people. So span of control is how many people are directly underneath you in the organisation chart, or organisation chart might be called hierarchy, it's uh, interchangeable. Um, You've then got the chain of command. So the chain of command is how many layers you have, so you've got, I've just mentioned there, you've got Mr Gray at the top, then you've got the deputy heads, then you've got assistant heads, then you might have heads of year or heads of department, deputy heads of year department, teachers, so each of those is a different layer. So that is what's in the chain of command. The longer your chain of command, so the more layers you have, the more difficult communication becomes. So if you're at the bottom of that chart, you might need to pass a message up. You might need to go via one line manager, then the next manager. So the more layers you've got, the more difficult it becomes um, to communicate. So you might get problems uh, there. You might get demotivated and dissatisfied staff. So this brings us on to a couple um, of other words and terms that you will need. What you might do in that situation if you think you've got too many layers in the hierarchy is what's called delayering. So you might take out a whole range of jobs so we might as a school take out all year heads so if you take out that layer it obviously saves the firm and the business money because they don't have to pay their their staff costs um but it might also help improve communication but on the downside what it obviously do with that is it means other staff around them might have to do more more jobs more tasks and it might mean people are confused as to what they do who they go to um so if we go back to our mr gray example Uh, If Mr Gray wants to pass a job down to Mr Griffith that is called delegation. So delegation is passing a job or task down the organisation chart for someone else to do. Might think they're more matched to it, they've got more time, more skills um, to do it and obviously might also just be that that person is too busy to do all the tasks themselves they will need to delegate sometimes. Also in these organisation charts you'll be looking at tall and flat structures. A tall structure has many many layers a flat structure doesn't have many layers at all, so that has an impact on the communications that I mentioned. The, the less layers there are, the uh, easier it is to communicate. You might also mention here uh, centralization and decentralisation. If a business is said to be centralised, that means the big decisions, the formal decisions are all made at the centre, at a head office, and then passed down, delegated to everywhere else. If your company is decentralised, you'll have more autonomy. Each individual branch, if it's a shop, might have more power, so they'll understand the local customer needs, they'll understand the local job market. So decentralisation uh, will, will have some advantages, but uh, it might also mean, on the other hand, that they offer different things, uh, they, they, they're too different to the this main organisation. One of the biggest jobs that people with human resources do, is recruitment and selection. So recruitment obviously means employing someone, giving someone a job. Um, this might be because someone is on maternity leave, they might have retired, they might have in poor circumstances been fired or just left to find another job. So the first thing that the company needs to do is a job analysis to realise that there is a vacancy. So realise that we need to fill this job. Um, and they will then go through a recruitment process. So a recruitment process will have various stages in it. Um, you will need to know... First of all, it's a job analysis, what the job is. You'll need to draw up a job description and person specification. So a job description will say exactly what the job does. The job title, who the manager will be, the tasks, the location, the salary. And then the person specification will be the ideal candidate for that job. The experience, the skills, the qualities and qualifications that the ideal candidate will have. So these two things will help uh, the company make a job advert, so they've then got to put these two together, this is the job, this is who we want, that will go into a job advert that might go online, it might get to recruitment agencies like Reed or Monster, Um, and then hopefully people will obviously apply for that job, either via an application form or process online, or via sending in your CV of details, then the company will read all of these CVs and sort into those people that they think deserve um, an interview then obviously these people can be interviewed, there are various interview methods, uh, a one-on-one interview, a panel interview, uh, and then hopefully they will, after the interview, appoint the successful candidate um, and let them know. Um, So that's the recruitment process. This could be either internal or external recruitment, so internal recruitment is from inside the business, that will be someone uh, getting the job that has already been in that company for a long time external recruit will be looking for someone outside. So if we go back to our school example, um, Mr McLeod when he got assistant head job had been here a long time that was internal recruitment at the same time mr thatcher got appointed as an external recruit from outside Um, this is one of the more likely nine or twelve mark questions one of the longer questions what are the advantages and disadvantages of external internal recruitment so with internal recruitment obviously the candidate knows the business it knows how it works it knows the key people there Um, But an external person might be able to bring new ideas, fresh ideas, something that's not been seen um, before. So you might be asked the good and bad of internal and external uh, recruitment. the big thing with any type of recruitment is staff retention. So with staff retention, it's how long your staff stay. So if you've got a high staff turnover, the amount of staff leaving, that costs money. It creates instability. If you've got high staff retention, you don't have to replace them, which is costly. No, no job adverts going out, for example. And obviously they know the role, they know what they're doing, and hopefully they're good at their job. So the, the better your recruitment process, the better your staff retention will be. Um, in terms of when people have a job, how they can work, uh, people have various types of contract. So you've got part-time and full-time contracts. So in the business studies department, uh, I work five days a week in term time. Miss Goldie works four days a week, so she's part-time. So full, full-time full hours are generally working five days a week. Part-time hours is anything that will be less. The good thing about um, part-time work is that it's more flexible, so the staff might be more motivated and obviously then costs for the company might go down because they're only employing staff when they actually need them. Linked to these types of contracts, you might also have um, zero hour contracts. So zero hour contracts are where you are only employed for the hours that you work. So if you are um, a, a waiter at Pizza Hut, instead of being working from um, 12 in the afternoon to 10 o'clock at night, they might not be very busy from the hours from four to six. So you actually you only work for the four hours from 12 to four and then you might work from um, eight till 12, for example. So you're only employed for the time you're needed by that company. Good thing for this, for the employee, again, it's flexible for the company, it saves them money, but also you might be very uncertain of the hours um, for the person so it might affect their, their personal life and for the company then their staff might not be uh, motivated to work. Uh, other things worth mentioning here are um, things like job shares which we'll come on to uh, in a minute. So a job share I'm sure you've all had down in the school uh, classes that you've had two different teachers for. That is essentially a job share so you've got one job being done by two different people. Uh, We then go on to uh, motivation. So, motivation in a company is uh, making sure that staff want to be there, want to do their job, want to do it well. Um, It's very important to have motivated staff, again, linked to staff retention. They will stay, they'll be happier, so they'll be better with customers, they're more likely to get more work done, and be more productive. So, if you have an unmotivated workforce, um, it's very damaging for the company. Uh, And there are various ways of Improving staff motivation. These are broadly split into financial and non-financial. So financial methods of motivation might be a simple increasing of the wage or or the salary. People generally will work a bit more, a bit harder for more money. Um, But that's a one off. Uh, the, The effect of that might not last. Um, so you might have a bonus so giving someone some money for achieving a particular task again that's only quite short-lived however um, it might be things like a commission so salespeople if everyone anyone's ever knocked on your door um, and asked you to buy anything they'll be likely be on commission so they'll get money per sale. So that's very uncertain but obviously it's quite a motivating thing to, to get sales up uh, then you've got non-financial methods of motivation So this might be uh, giving staff greater responsibility. So if you allow staff to take on more roles, make them feel more important, they'll be happier in their work, more likely to do it, want to prove that they can do well. Um, It might be how you you manage them. So going back to our organisation charts, who manages you? It might be praise. Um, It might be um, shouting at someone if that's how they respond. And it might be fringe benefits. So fringe benefits are non-financial perks of the job. So it might be a staff discount. I used to work at uh, Virgin Megastore, which sold uh, CDs and DVDs and things. uh, And I got a 25% staff discount, which was quite motivating at the time. So you're getting um, something sort of uh, for for less. For bigger companies, it might be a a company car, uh, which will obviously help you make you want to go to work. And the last bit in human resources is uh, training. So a bit like motivation, training is going to be very important staff retention, the more trained you are, the happier you are in your job, you know what you're doing, you're more likely to stay, uh, but it also leads to greater efficiency in a company. People will do things well at a lower cost. If we're producing more, that means we have more to sell. Um, if we're doing it efficiently, that is gonna lower our cost. So everything is gonna come back to that um, profit formula. Um, there are different ways of mo- uh, training staff. The, the two big ones are on the job and off the job. On the job training is where, as it says, you would be learning how to do your job whilst at the place of work. So when I trained to become a teacher, uh, 11 years ago now, I did my training at this school. I was in a classroom, I was watching other teachers, I was practising teaching. So it might be shadowing an employee. So you might see in a shop, if you're in H&M next, someone's got a badge that says in training. That means they're watching someone else do do that on the job. Um, So the advantages to that are it's cheaper. They will get to know exactly what they're doing and how that particular business works disadvantage you might pick up bad habits if it's from a poor member of staff and you might not get the the in-depth quality um, of training that you want so then you've got off the job training so you might go to um, do a a course you might go to a university or a college you might go to another place of work so I've been to various schools in the last year to see how they work to see what they do Um, the advantages of this are you might get to see experts, you might get a qualification, you've got people that might be training you on a specific thing. So you might be on a first aid training course for example. The disadvantage is it's costly. So often you have to pay for these and obviously it's taking you out of your place of work. So if it's taking you out of your place of work. Someone's going to have to cover you. Um, another type of training which could be either on or off the job is induction training um, so I'm recording this the day that uh, the new staff at Piggott next year have, have been in for a day to see what the school's like that is part of their induction training so it's training that happens at the start so they get to know the school they get to know the job their tasks uh, the systems the responsibilities they're going to have so obviously if you undertake induction training uh, it will mean you're much more comfortable when you do your job and you know uh, what you are doing um, so, I think almost any of these could be one of the longer questions. Um, I think you might get a question on the advantages and disadvantages of internal or external recruitment, or you might get from the case study uh, two different candidates. Should we employ this one? Should we employ that one? Or which route should we take? You might get asked the question, uh, what Method of motivating staff is best. So, you would obviously choose the method based on the case study, the text, which method uh, it is, and so say, This is good because, which leads to, however, this might happen, this is bad because. Um, or you might get the weighing up of on or off the job training. So, there you're most likely 12 mark questions, and that is the human resources topic covered.